Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good afternoon. It's Mike Vandervoort. It is March 16th, one day until St. Patty's Day arrives and the green beer will flow. Um, I am fortunate that we're doing a little bit of a later afternoon show and my co-host is able to join me for the second show in a row. So Robin Schooling, welcome. How are you today? I I know. It's fabulous. The timing works so wonderful. So uh, I am good. I'm uh I'm looking forward to um, sharing my um, stories of my glamorous life with our guest today who's going to be talking about <laughs> I, I'm just fixated on the word glamorous here from our show. Yeah, no, I don't use, I didn't use glamorous. So, so what Robin is talking about is we always post show notes and um, our guest today has entered the glamorous life of retirement. So that was one of the things we're going to talk to him about and find out just how glamorous it is not to have to get up and go to work every day after 45 years in the donut industry. So <laughs> our guest is Dave Ryan. Dave, welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you? I am well. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to talk to both of you. Oh, Absolutely. It's been, it's, it's been a while. So... Uh, so, Dave, uh, obviously, Robin and I know you pretty well, but and, and many of our listeners will be will know who you are as well. But um, let, let's uh, let's start with kind of your background, who you are, and uh, what you're what you're up to because you've had, you're having some adventures this year. So let's let's hear about the glamour. Well, as you said, I, I worked in uh, I worked for a company that manufactured donuts and bakery products for most of my life my adult life, and uh, I retired from full-time employment at the end of the year last year and immediately stepped into another <laughs> another role. Um, our, our collective friend, Donna Rogers, uh, wanted to get back into the full-time work-a-day world, and she asked me if I could help her out, and I said I could. I left the facility at 11 o'clock in the morning on December 31st, and I went by Donna's house at 2, and uh, she started handing me files. And so that was my re- my retirement from there uh, to that point. So I've been learning a little bit about that and, uh, and uh, doing some handbooks and comp studies and some uh, uh, some some stuff that, you know, you don't do as an as a in-house HR professional that much. So uh, yeah. it's been a learning experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, so so your your retirement was about three hours. So I don't know if this uh, I don't know if the question <laughs> I'm going to ask you is a fair question because you really I don't even know if you got lunch at, at, between eleven and two. But uh, uh, but no, seriously, like I I realize you didn't actually you you really have done more of a career change, but you did you did make a big step, which is you left a job that you've had and a career you've had for quite a long time 
And I'm kind of, having not been through that, I'm kind of curious how it felt and what, what you what you experienced or has it not been real because you just stopped going one place and you, you know, kind of started doing another right away. No, there was, there was a really, there's a pretty big run up to it because uh, like social security and Medicare and all of those things, there's about yeah. a three or four month window to ramp up, to get into those. And um, as much as they try, it seems like it's kind of a convoluted process um, my wife, who worked in state government, um, she had all kinds of forms to fill out and things to do. And, uh, you know, it's funny you were talking about the glamorous life because you know what my wife's mm-hmm. name is, don't you, Mike? Mm-hmm. Sheila. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, yeah she could be singing that as well. So, right. um, so um, you know, there was a lot of things to get done. And then, you know, we'd been talking to a financial planner. And then there's always the, the thing, um, do I have enough money? And uh, can, I, can I live the lifestyle that I want to live? And yeah. um, so, so, you know, there, there's all that rolling around in your head. And then when you get somebody to objectively look at it and give you an opinion, um, that can make you feel a little bit better about that. But, you know, I, you don't know. And uh, we got a lot of money tied up in uh, – the market and stuff like that. So, you know, these are crazy days that could crash. You don't know, but, um, but, you know, at least for now, I got a roof over my head. I got a place to sleep. Uh, I got something to do most of the time. So uh, life's pretty good. Did, did, uh, well, did and you know what I, go ahead, Robin, go ahead. Oh I, yeah. I was just going to say, you know what I love about it is when, when that whole transition happened, um, with you and Donna there, I, I, as much as there's part of me that's like, oh, God bless, go go retire, go take some time off, I'm glad that you were able to stay contributing to the HR profession because yours is a voice and uh, years of experience that, you know, collectively we need. And, and so I love when when somebody can find sort of that way to, you know, stay involved and and be doing some stuff and still working in the field and probably to a to a different level than you were. It is different than oh my gosh, I've got to be to the you know job site at six a.m. anymore. So you get a little more flexibility, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. The uh, one thing I learned from this when you're an in-house HR person or HR staff, uh, pretty much for the most part, I think all of the employees. Uh, have, but somewhere between they have a disdain for you or, or they hate you. <laughs> and when you are a consultant, you're bringing wisdom to an organization and knowledge, yeah. and they look forward to you. And I had somebody tell me, they said, yeah, when you're in-house, you're an anchor, and when you're, uh, when you're a consultant, you're a lifeline. So, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That, uh-huh. That that is uh, you know that's a weird phenomenon. Not I mean the like the that's I've seen that recur over and over in my career where like in, internal people are saying here's the here's a problem and here's the here's a solution here's the likely outcome yeah. and 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 management team you know senior management says well we need to we need to get another voice on this and so then consultants show up. 
and they've been paid money to come in and, you know, and, and many, many times what they do is listen to the people on the site, collect the information, repackage it, re-deliver it with a, yeah. maybe with a couple added bells and whistles. But for the most part, I've seen it over and over and over again, not the devalue consulting business, but they, they deliver a very similar kind of approach to what you already knew you should do. But for some reason, senior managers who, you know, got that, that outside perspective, it gives them a higher degree of confidence. And I, and it, and it, I used to find that frustrating at times because, um, A, I, you know, I felt like we already knew what, you know, we already knew that, so why'd we pay them 100 grand or whatever the number was, you know? And, B, yeah. um, why are they so much smarter? And, and I, don't, I don't know, Dave, because I, I, I mean, <clears throat> you know, it, 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 is it just the role, you think, literally? You know, I have that same problem too, Mike, when, uh, I would, when I would do training internally, but then I'd pay somebody to come in and do training, and all of a sudden, well, you know, this guy from the XYZ Consulting Company said it, so obviously it's true, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been saying that for a long time, and nobody listens. It's, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. I don't, I don't really have I, – and I, and I get that in some ways there's just a different degree of credibility, and it does provide some level of validation, you know, that, that help, help people kind of move forward on solutions sometimes if they're iffy. And, you know, sometimes they do come up with other stuff, but it, you know, it, is, it is weird. So, Dave, when you left Melocrine, um, did, they, did, they, I don't, you know, did they give you, like, throw you a big party? they give you the gold watch? How did, how did they treat you when you went out the door? How, what was that like? Uh, we rented out a private restaurant and had uh, a, a large contingent of the employees come. And uh, oh. my son and his partner came. And my, mm-hmm. oh, both of my kids came and my wife came. My son's partner came up to me and said, Dave, they've got all top shelf liquor here. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, you yeah. know, do, do I need to say more? That uh, <laughs> we we had the Patron. It wasn't the Montezuma, and uh, so no, it was very nice. And you know, the company was acquired about two years in front of my retirement, and it was a okay. family. And uh, the he the gentleman who was the head of the group was our director of sales, and they were just they've been more than generous with me. Um, mm-hmm. The young man that I uh, that I was training behind me, he still calls about once a week. And he's, uh, you know, he wanted to know the history on this or where this body or that body was buried at and so on. And I, I told him, I said, just keep calling whatever you need. And they said, you know, if it gets to be too much, let us know and we can do something with you. But I'm good for now. And uh, so, no, I had a big party and uh, both the kids came and my wife came and it was, uh, I had a headache the next day. So you're not used you're not used to that top shelf liquor. That's the problem. You start drinking the good stuff, and it hits you a little quicker, I guess. I don't know. It's, yeah. So, well, that's that's I mean, that's awesome. I, you know, I it's weird. Like I'm I'm 64 and a half ish, 64 and three quarters or something. And I know 65 isn't like a mandatory thing or anything. But I, I'm not really even thinking about retirement. So, um, and my dad, who um, retired when he was 62. Was, he, he was retired almost as long as he worked. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to watch 
just how different people approach it. And, and like in your case where you yeah. literally just picked up a, a new career and I guess, um, so just, I was just curious to kind of hear about it. I know it's not a, you know, on point directly for like HR, HR practitioners that usually listen, listen to the show for advice. Um, I did have one question and then I'll, I'll, I'll you, Robin. So Dave, you, you reached out to me a few months before you left because you were, you were finishing up, I think your last uh, collective, but you'd, you'd had a, you had a union there at the bakery union and I think you had to do one more round of collective bargaining before you left. And um, how, how did that work out for you? Um, it was a challenge. They, uh, <laughs> um, in rather typical fashion, they wanted to argue about everything. And, uh, and um, they, we ended up negotiating to, we got done, but then the union refused to sign the contract over uh, a couple um, little things and we'd already, we, we paid them a signing bonus and uh, had done everything we were supposed to. And then, then they filed a couple of grievances because we put new language in, which they really didn't want to bargain over, but yet they, they, you know, they didn't want to engage on it because they, they found it to be very distasteful. Uh, we, we put in a two tier wage scale and, uh, mm-hmm did a couple, a couple other things that they just, uh, uh, they referred to that as a race to the bottom. And, uh, uh you know, the, the thing and the fact of the matter is that, uh, when the wages get too high, then if it gets too high, automation's coming in and the jobs are going to go away. So to kind of reset that, we wanted to bring in the, the newer, the lower skilled, the lower, less experienced people. And so it got very contentious and, uh, Last I heard, they were close to to being done with it, but it um, it was it was a, a, a lot harder than it should have been. And I and I yeah. talking about that union. I have something else I want to I want to get out there with you at some point here about the the pension plans too. Sure. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Robin, <laughs> we'll we'll come back mm-hmm. to pensions in a minute. But what what do you got, Robin? Yeah. Well, so the one thing I wanted to to ask Dave about was, um, you know, gosh, Dave, how long ago was this? Four, no, gosh, five, six years ago. Um, Dave and, and Donna, his now, um, you know, uh, predecessor in the consulting business, um, had a really awesome series of presentations because I got them to come down to Louisiana Sherm once and do mm-hmm. – they were you. They were really among the first, I think, to coin this phrase that then everybody adopted, which was the HR department of one. And they did a really good session, uh, which they then took on the road, went all over the country with it, talking to those HR practitioners who are in HR departments of one, um, one or few, right? But HR department of one. Um, what are you know, kind of kind of scrolling back through the top tips for those HR departments of one. Um, wh- what do you see top of mind for folks in those roles now, Dave? Well, first of all, Robin, I see you as the genius that was able to, to pick that out <laughs> and, and, and bring that show to uh, Louisiana Sherman 2014. And then, yes, Don and I were such, such leaders in the field there and had this term, but no, you're right. I had not seen that. And it, uh, then it became a, a topic, and then Sherm's embracing it now with one of their micro certifications. Yeah. And uh, 
I think it was really uh, it was really an overlooked thing, and I think uh, I don't remember when he went back on the board. When Steve Brown went on the board of Sherm, he told me he was the first board member that came from a company that had less than five thousand employees. Now I don't know what the numbers are, but I got to think a whole bunch of their members. <laughs> that makes yeah. the people that have five thousand yep. employees is a very small contingent of their membership. Now they can write mm-hmm. a lot of big checks, though. But uh, so no, um, but you know, going back, I think the biggest vibe I got from that whole deal was that they felt like they were that that whole group of people was overlooked, um, ignored. And was not, you know, didn't have uh, things presented to them that that were really in their wheelhouse. That when you're talking about doing, you know, compensation and benefit studies and you know, affirmative action plans and stuff, and somebody's got 40 yeah. or 50 employees, that that doesn't mean anything to them, you know. They so giving them things that they could actually take back and put in place that you know cost little or no money was really some some great solutions for a lot of those people and i had uh, a lot of people thank us for for doing that so uh you know maybe maybe we did do a good thing to the whole community and kind of shine a light mm-hmm. on that and uh mm-hmm. um give it some uh, some validation yeah you yep. know it's funny i i was thinking about um i know you know with Sherman, you know things change and evolve and you know, there was a, a good 10-year period where a lot of us had great access to the organization, not that not that some other group probably doesn't today. I'm not involved with them that, that much at all anymore. Um, I know you're not, Rob and Dave. I guess you're still involved with the Illinois yeah. firm. Um, oh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and so, you know, some days I'm – some. Some rare days I, I miss it because you know you did you, you did get a chance to to contribute inside that big organization in some some ways that it's hard for individuals to do. So it was kind of I think kind of a unique opportunity when we had the blogging teams and got to go to the conferences and present stuff like that. Um, so I guess I'm just saying oh, I kind of miss the the and of course with COVID and everything nobody's been going anywhere anyway. Uh, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll see some of that come back, but I, I think my time with Sherm has probably passed. But uh, yeah. anyway, uh, yeah. So you, so you said, yeah. So Dave, you said you had an issue with pensions, and I suspect that might have some inkling about what it might be about. But it's a big it's a big issue for companies that are in multi employer pension plans, and I presume that's kind of where you're headed with it. So let's talk about that for a minute. Okay, so let me get let me get the soapbox set up here, right and square and level. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so with the first um, plan that the Biden administration put out, um, it was quietly tucked into the uh, the plan, $87 billion, with a B, dollars for 135 pension plans to rescue them because they were in such dire straits. And mm-hmm. I don't think I ever saw a network story I don't think I read anything in any of the major papers about this at all. And it was just a gift to the unions. And the thing that really that I was found irksome about the whole deal was they didn't make them change. It was, you know, a a bunch of not very capable people put them in that position and they didn't make them change anything. They're doing the same thing they were doing. And, 
You know, we all know what the definition of insanity is. And it looks like if they do that again, they're just destined to be in the same place again. So uh, that whole thing really kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I know it was, it was supposedly COVID related, but, and then I didn't do my research and see what the, what else is tucked in there. But, if, you know, you can tuck in $87 billion for 135 union pension plans. I'm sure there was some other money tucked away here and there for this and that. Yeah. Right. There's there's a there's a crazy um so so what what, what you're referencing is, is true and it, it it certainly benefited the union pension plans. Um it also to some extent benefited the retire I'm not trying to defend it, but there's a couple pieces that, that maybe go you know, the, the retirees who count on the income, right? It stabilized you know, some stuff they were at risk of losing or having their benefits reduced at a time you know, talking about you and your retirement at a time when it would, you know, impact you the worst. And and then the other thing that happens is with those multi-employer, those joint multi-employer pension plans, there's a, a, a law that says that, um, you know, that creates a thing called withdrawal liability for employers. So if you're, if you leave one of those plans or the plant goes bankrupt, employers that are still active in that plan can be charged, uh, withdrawal liability. And I was in a plan once where we, um, hmm. we decertified a union and in a five-year period from 1999 to 2004, I checked every year, I checked the withdrawal liabilities because we were going through these decertifications. And in 1999, for the same location, the withdrawal liability was $200,000, which was a good, good chunk of change. Five years later, Teamster, Teamster managed pension plan, five years later, the withdrawal liability had gone up 10x to just under $2 million, which my company had to write a check for when our, our employees voted the union out at a location that had only 100 people. It cost us $2 million to, to, to get out of that pension plan, which actually was good news because we didn't have the, that growing mountain of liability anymore, but it was super expensive. So there's a lot of risk to those plans. So the bailout isn't all bad, I guess, is the point. But it, your, your key point, though, Dave, is they didn't change anything about how they manage it, how they spend their money, who, who's in control. So it really isn't a fix. It was just a bit pure bailout. Yeah, no doubt. So, anyway, but that, that was, yeah. and, you know, it was good. It was good for the company I worked for too, because it was, it, their, their liability went away then. And so that was a good thing, but uh, it just, they didn't seem to be open, honest and upfront about that. But Yep. I hear you. Strange. So, so Robin, mm-hmm. what you got? So we would be remiss if we had Dave on the show and didn't talk hockey. <laughs> so I will let the two of you expound on that for a, a moment or two because I pay no attention to it. Robin is not a hockey fan. So, so Dave, yeah. tell, tell folks about the Dave, the HR czar and the HR referee for, to, bring the, to bring the hockey HR team around. Tell, tell us about that first. Okay, well, uh, I've been involved in hockey most of my life off and on. My kids played youth hockey growing up, going through high school. Uh, I refereed uh, youth hockey, high school hockey, and senior men's hockey for 20-plus years. I, When COVID hit, youth hockey and high school hockey kind of went away for a year. And so I didn't do any game. I did a couple games that year. And then the then this year, I decided that I wasn't going to spend any 
time or money getting certified. So I've still been doing what uh, the men's league is affectionately known as the beer league because mm-hmm. all of the guys <laughs> use it as, a, as an excuse to get out of the house and go to the ice rink, but it's actually an excuse to get out of the house and go drink beer. So uh, I'm doing that, and that's going to wrap up here at the end of April, and I think I think that's going to be done. I got to, I was doing a game, oh, I don't know, about three or four weeks ago, and got tipped over in a face-off uh, circle. And uh, when you're 66, uh, the, the, the old elbows and tailbone and that don't, uh, don't come back around as fast as they used to. So uh, I think uh, I think I'm going to hang them up here at the uh, end of April and uh, and go from there. But uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. I was really active also. You know, uh, a friend of mine and I started a high school hockey league here in, in uh, our community back in 2001. Like I said, my kids played. And uh, both mm-hmm. of my kids as adults still play men's hockey, so that makes me happy. Yeah, and you played this youngster, Mike. I did. I played. My brother played. My nephew played. My dad was a coach. Yeah, it was. It becomes a family thing. And um, uh, I, I just went with uh, another one of my coworkers from Publix. We just. I just went to Nashville a couple weekends ago and went to see the Tampa Bay Lightning play the Nashville Predators inside Nissan Stadium, which is the football stadium hmm. that the Titans play in. Oh, yeah. There were 69,000 people. Yeah, they, they called it the uh, the stadium series, and there were 69,000 people in a football stadium watching a hockey game in Nashville on a Saturday wow. night. And it it was amazing. It was, you know, all, all music, country music, uh, other kinds of music playing between each uh, – each puck drop, each face off, and they had a, a, a you know a Trisha Yearwood and uh, Dirk Bentley played between the first period and the second period. I'm not really a country western fan, but it was just it was really fun. So yeah, it, it, it's uh, you know it's I don't, like Robin doesn't follow it, but Robin has the same kind of passion for the Saints and football. So you know those kind yeah, of things right. bring people together. I forget, Dave, who is your are you Blackhawks fan or are you St. Louis Blues fan? Can't remember. I'm more of a blues fan because St. Louis is only about 90 miles from home, so yeah, I actually I get thinking, to. Yeah. Yeah. I get to some of the games. Chicago and Chicago tickets are a lot harder and a lot more expensive to get. So, uh, yeah. but you know, I don't. It's not one of those things that I have a disdain for the Blackhawks. I mean, I like it when they win, and I it was happy when they uh, they, they won the cup a couple times, and uh, yeah. you know, so it's uh, just I love the game. That's that's it, you know. Yeah. You know, our our corollary here in the schooling household is um uh so we're we're a rugby family and so rugby. Yeah. Douglas had uh you know, played since he was about four years old and grew up and played all through school and then he was a coach and you know, so we still there's so there's a very active rugby community, he was the local Baton Rouge coach and in fact, we're going to the NOLA Gold, which is our major league rugby team in New Orleans, uh, match on Saturday. Um, but it's kind of the same thing because there's the club rugby. And so we've got, um, you know, you go to a club game and it's, they could be 20, 22 and they're just out of university or we've had, you know, folks approaching 60. And, and, and then every now and again, there's just the old boys match where everybody who's retired comes, they bring their cleats, they throw them on and see how long they can last. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 not a, it's not a walk in the park either. <laughs> Go ahead. No. Sorry. Did you ever see the old bumper sticker, Robin, that said, uh, 
rugby players eat their dead? Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, now, can you guys indulge me for one more thing here? So, yes, yes. kudos to, to you guys to keeping this drive through HR going and, and giving it a, a life and continuing with that. I think this is a wonderful thing. Uh, as a ramp up to this, I was thinking, you know, and you kind of spoke to this, Mike, but the, there were so many things that people created to create a community, and it was yeah. the people in the community. It wasn't – it was them doing that themselves. And I, I think my jumping on point was uh, – uh, HR Evolution, I think it was in 2010 in yep. Chicago when I really yep. started to meet people. Yep. And so, so kudos, guys. Thanks. Um, we had John Hyman yeah. on last week, and we kind of gave him a nice nod for the work that him and some of the other lawyers did during the mm-hmm. COVID period to keep, you know, keep the HR. It's been, mm-hmm. it's been a challenging couple of years, obviously, and I, but I do feel like our community worked together. And Robin and I did, I don't know, about seven or eight shows that we called the quarantine episodes where we had people on at and everybody was watching the house. <laughs> yeah. At the beginning, it was fun. And it was, I, I almost feel like, I almost felt like it was necessary in some ways just to kind of, you know, just kind of keep things going along a little bit. It was kind of weird, but it, it was fun. Um, well, we're out of time, Dave. We're running down to the last 90 seconds, so we didn't even really get to talk much about consulting besides you're doing handbooks, but we'll have you on again sometime <laughs> and just catch up on, on part two of, of your work career. Um, thanks, for, thanks for being a guest. It, uh, why don't you tell folks, I kind of named a couple places, but why don't you, why don't you tell po- folks where they can find you if they want to reach out, and then we'll end the show. Uh, Dave Ryan on LinkedIn at Springfield, Illinois. Dave VHRZAR on Twitter. Uh, Dave, uh, the newly adopted Dave VHRZAR at gmail.com. And uh, <laughs> I'm on Facebook as well. So uh, I'm not a hard guy to find. Uh, contact Mike yep. if you can't find me. That's yeah, right. just call me. Yeah, yeah, my number's all over the internet too. So yeah, all right. Well, listen, Dave, it's great to catch up and uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the rest of the week, Robin. Always get the good to get you back on the show again. So I'm glad you were here, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, end the episode. You guys take care. Sounds good. Love Bye, you guys. Everybody. Bye. Love you too, Love Dave. Too. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.